Hi, and welcome to Wild Milk Podcast, where every Monday we talk true crime, conspiracies, paranormal phenomena, and everything weird or unexplained. We're your hosts. I'm Caroline. And I'm Susan. And here we go. Okay, so I'm doing Asha Gray. Have you... Uh, Asha Gray. Asha Degree. Have you ever heard of her? I recognize the name, and I decide I, I really I thought about going and looking it up, and then I thought, you know, I'm just gonna let Caroline tell me about this because I think I'm gonna recognize the details because yeah. I recognize the name. It's definitely been talked about, um, especially since it happened like 30 years ago. I mean, not 30 years ago. Oh my god, 21 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw Caroline do math, y'all. Like it was <laughs> visible. It was visibly happening. <laughs> I'm like that meme with, um, what's her name? Oh, my God. The girl from American Horror Story where she's like doing math. Is it Sarah Paulson? Yes, Sarah Paulson. Okay. <laughs> where she's doing math. Okay. So, Asha Degree, she was a nine-year-old girl. She disappeared on Valentine's Day in the year 2000. It just sounds so weird to say in 2000, doesn't it? Like, it does, but also I just realized that you just did math from 2020. <laughs> you need to shut your mouth. <laughs> well, look, it took me until you said 2000 to realize what year it was. <laughs> it's 2021. Holy shit. Okay, so I wanted to do this case because, one, I'm from North Carolina where this taste, case takes place. I'm only, I live maybe like an hour from there, and I'm the same age as her. So oh, she disappeared wow. when she was nine and I was nine at the same time. Asha walked out of her house in the early morning hours and she was never seen again. 20 years later, or 21 now, the case still remains unsolved, but there are a lot of different theories as to what actually happened. So Asha was born August 5th, 1990. She lived a really sheltered life in Shelby, North Carolina, which is a suburb of Charlotte. Her parents were Harold and <laughs> Rich said, you're never going to be able to pronounce this name. And I'm going to do it. Equilla. I-Q-U-I-L-L-A. Sure. Equilla? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So these were her parents, and they were it's married. It's no rich. Jeez. <laughs> he was, like, reading this as I over my shoulder as I was typing it. And he was like, yeah, good luck pronouncing that. <laughs> You're like, thanks, babe. <laughs> I got this. For your support. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so her parents were married two years before they had her Older brother, O'Brien, he was born in 1989, and then Asha in 1990. She, because she was sheltered, she was raised, um, like, with a really close-knit family and community. She, they lived just down the road from her aunt and grandma. She spent basically all her time with her family or at church. Because of this religious upbringing, the degree children were really naive. They were sheltered from the outside world. They didn't have access to a computer in the home, and they also had limited television access. Her mom did an interview in 2013 and said that they kind of chose this life for their kids because she was scared to death that pedophiles would, um, you know, talk to her daughter over the Internet and take her away. Devastating because I'll talk about that later, but most of the theories are that's exactly what happened. Just not over the Internet. Just not over the Internet. Yeah, I mean, that's it kind of this case is really I'm, the more you talk about it. I'm kind of remembering it. It's a really good example of the fact that it's like. None of this is brand new and none of it appeared along with the internet. It all existed before and kids have been victims to this for ever. It's not yeah. new. And you can't just say, oh, well, we don't have internet, so our kids are safe. But she thought that was going to be the case. So 
I'm going to go over the timeline a little bit um, just so we kind of have a clear idea of actually what happened. So Friday, February 11th, school was closed. It was like a teacher work day, so there was a three-day weekend. Saturday was February 12th. Asha had a basketball game. They ended up losing that game, and according to her friends and family, she was extremely distraught. But she's a kid, so she bounced back, and she ended up enjoying her weekend. Sunday, February 13th, the whole family attended church, and then they went to Asha's aunt's house for lunch. The Degree family, all four of them, went back to their house because the dad, Harold, he had to go to work. Um, He normally worked second shift, but on Thursday and Friday, he worked first. The children shared a bedroom. They went to bed at 8 p.m., and they were woken up by a very intense thunderstorm at 9 p.m. Shortly after that, the power went out due to a car accident in the area. There's a lot going on in this neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah, I know. There's like a lot of really like random events happening all at once. Well, this is just kind of like the timeline of events they were a part of. Oh, Um, yeah. No, it's just kind of like there was, you know, they got woken up by a thunderstorm and then the power went out, you would think, because of the thunderstorm. But no, something completely different. Completely. I mean, the thunderstorm probably had something to do with the car accident, if we're getting into the specifics. So Harold got home from work around 12.30 a.m. He checked on the kids who, according to him, were sleeping in their room. At 2.30 a.m., Harold decided to go to bed, and on his way, he checked once again to make sure they were in bed, which they were, both of them. O'Brien says he woke up sometime between his father coming in and 4 a.m., um, to Asha's bed squeaking, he assumed she was just like moving around or getting back into bed after using the bathroom. <laughs> At 5.45 a.m., Asha's mother went in to wake her up. Um, she actually, it's really strange because she started their bath at 5.45 a.m., but she didn't go to wake them up until 6.30 a.m., which I think is kind of odd. And they say bath, and I wonder if that was just skewed, and they meant, like, she started the shower. Maybe she was waiting for the water to warm up. But that's a 45-minute time window. Well, and it also might be a – it also just might be a matter of her trying to recall a timeline. And, like, you wouldn't – you wouldn't necessarily know exactly what time you did things. Oh, yeah. So you, it might just be like her trying to think back, like, was it before 6 a.m. or after 6 a.m.? That's what I was thinking, because a lot of people on this Reddit thread that I'm going to talk about, because this guy did an amazing write-up on this case, they were like, well, her timeline changes, and it's fishy. And I'm like, honestly, if something happened to me today, I would not be able to recall the past two days. Right. That's that's kind of every time people start really, really scrutinizing timelines, I'm like, okay, but yeah, like you're asking people to remember something that happened before the thing that would make it memorable. Like all of the things leading up to it are just like, like what time, like what time was it when you, when you called your friend? I mean, I could look at my phone to find that information, but if you just at, if you just had to like recall what time you called somebody on a random day, no way. I don't know. I would like, never. Was it daylight or was it dark? I could probably tell you that. <laughs> That's about as close as I could probably get. So I I think that she was just flustered and trying yeah. to come up with rough times, and she probably when she, yeah. So anyway. People question that, but I think it was just 
her struggling a little bit. Yeah, I think people get to try to try to nail down timelines way too narrowly when it's stuff that, like like everyday normal things that you do that you kind of do at the same time. But like if you were asked to actually like clock it, who knows exactly what time it was. So when the mom, her mother went to check on her at 630, she was not in her bed. Her mom checked the whole house. And this is the order she did things. She checked the whole house. She checked the family cars. She called her mother and her sister that lived down the street to ask if Asha was there. And they said that they had not seen her. And then she called the police. Police arrived crazy fast at 645 a.m. So she did all that, well, according to her timeline, in 10 minutes, which I would, too, if my daughter was, I mean, like, if I had a child missing, I'd be running around like a chicken with its head cut off. True, but that also might make more sense because it might actually have been earlier than she thought when she realized she was missing. And doing all of those things might seem like she did it, like, immediately. Mm -hmm. But it does take time to check all the places to call people. So that might kind of help explain her questionable timeline, I guess. Probably. So when the police arrived, they actually had dogs with them and they tried to pick up a scent. But because of the heavy rain the night before, they were like, they couldn't pick up anything. The family and close to 60 members from their community and their church took the rest of the day off and spent that day looking for Asha. The local news aired a special on a missing child. And that was followed by a ton of tips saying that people had seen Asha walking at like between 345 and 415 on Highway 18, which is a huge highway um, going through Shelby. And, I mean, it's like a highway. It doesn't have sidewalks on it. It's, like, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And they saw this girl walking on the road. At least that's what the tips were saying. Mm -hmm. And this was also – so 2000, this was a time before everyone had cell phones. I mean, a select few people – I think my dad had a cell phone, but it was, like, the old, like – you know I'm talking about, the, like, Nokia – I think I had a cell phone in 2000, but it was like, you know, like, like you have it in case you have, like, in case you need need to use it for an emergency. You don't just talk on it all the time. No, no. So because of this, a lot of people, you know, couldn't call to do a tip until they got home. Right. One driver, he said he was concerned because it was dark, raining, cold. She didn't have on the appropriate, appropriate clothes. So he turned around to check on her. But when she saw this, this is according to him. She ran into the woods and he couldn't follow her. So Which, not only, yeah, like, of course, that's what right. a kid would do. Exactly. So not only did the family have this immediate support from the community that they lived in, but that, like I said, the police brought in dogs. They got a helicopter with infrared heat detection. They were able to find a mitten. And then once they brought it in and showed it to the family, they said that they had never seen it and it didn't really belong to anyone in their family and definitely not to Asha. So the family and the police both examined the house. They noticed that all the windows and doors were locked, meaning Asha would have had to take the key she had because they were latchkey kids. So they came Mm -hmm. home and, you know, just hung out while their parents were still at work. So she had a key and they figured that she took the key because her backpack was also missing. Mm -hmm. So it was her backpack, a Tweety Bird purse. Her favorite pair of blue jeans that had a red stripe down the side. I remember that fashion. Do you remember that fashion? I do remember that fashion. It was really cute. (laughs) It was so cute. But no, she hadn't taken any winter clothes with her. So she had just taken her backpack, the Tweety Bird purse, the jeans, and nothing else. So on February 15th, which is the next day, 
Miss Turner, who's a local resident and owner of um, a local business, found opened candy wrappers, a really unique looking pencil, a pen and a Mickey Mouse hair bow in the shed or barn. They don't really specify what it is on her property. And we're assuming that this is when Asha ran off into the woods and it was pouring down rain. And this is like a shelter she found. Right. And that all that stuff, according to her parents, was hers. The hair bow, the unique looking pencil. They couldn't really say anything about the candy wrappers or the pen, but they knew that was her Mickey Mouse hair bow. Um, along with those items that the family recognized as hers, there was a wallet sized picture of another little girl around the age of nine. The crazy thing is no one in her family recognized this girl. No one in the community recognized this girl. Terrifying. Right. And there's so many things that are immediately, as I'm reading this like story, there's so many things that are popping into my head about what this could possibly be. Right. What do you think? That's first of all, the Mickey Mouse bow, like really specifically, it makes how young she is mm-hmm. just really stand out. Yeah. I mean, the Tweety Bird purse, the Mickey Mouse hair bow, like the little things <clears> like <throat> that. I mean, this is a little girl. Yeah. This isn't a teenager. She's still a child. That's one thing that bothered me about Reddit is. When these few little details came out, people said, she sounds really naive and really young for her age. I'm like, hold on. I know that nine-year-olds now, I know that nine-year-olds now are older than their age because they're, they have TikTok and like, but in 2000 at nine years old, I was the most innocent little child. I mean, I feel like anybody who's like, oh, my God, she sounds like she's naive for her age. Like, no, she sounds like she's nine. Yeah. That's fourth grade. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, this is elementary school. This is not this is a child child. Yeah. I cannot imagine. Here's what I think. I can't fathom what anyone could do or say to convince a nine-year-old child to leave their house in the dark, never mind how late, but just mm-hmm. even in the dark, mm-hmm. willingly. Yeah. But it sounds like there's no evidence that, that, that it was anything other than willingly. I definitely, at this point in the story, think that she was groomed. I she don't know by who... To- and we don't know. I mean, yes, we have these witness account, like tip line people calling in saying that they saw her between 345 and 415. But we don't know that for certain. No, but I think it, I mean, if there's more than one person who reported seeing her in close to the same place, yeah. that to me really makes those accounts more believable because. You don't have one person who might have some reason to lie about it or just be the kind of person that wants to be involved and make up seeing somebody. Mm -hmm. But if it's more than one person saying that they saw, I mean, again, this is a child child. Like it would stand out if you saw a nine year old walking down the highway by themselves. Yeah. Oh, especially at that time and that, you know, not prepared for the weather. Right. Um, What do you think about the theory that someone, whoever was grooming her, picked her up? at her house. And then I don't know now that I'm thinking about that theory, I don't really think so because why would they let her out of the car if they picked her up? 
Anyway, let me finish. It's so hard to know. I mean, there's I so many there's so many things that could have happened, but you're absolutely right. It definitely sounds like she was groomed. Mm-hmm. And it I mean, that means that it's somebody that knew her. Oh yeah. And I think only somebody that you would truly trust would be somebody that would that you would just leave your house for. Like mm-hmm. you would have to at that age like rebellion hasn't really kicked in much at nine. Oh no, 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 no way. Like that's and not really like you're not it's not like it's a oh I'm gonna be cool and go do this cool thing. Like if she was thirteen mm-hmm. you know Have you seen I mean, the movie thirteen? <laughs> I don't think I have seen the movie thirteen. I have seen a movie I haven't seen. Yeah, I was not allowed to watch this movie when I was because it came out when I was like thirteen. And my parents watched it first and they were like, fuck no, there's no way we're letting you watch this movie. So this group of friends, well, there was four of us. <laughs> we all had candy nicknames for each other, like Skittles. <laughs> Just Okay, here's what's funny. My camp friends and I all had candy nicknames too. That's so crazy. <laughs> it's so, so random. <laughs> one of the girls, she was able to get the movie and we hid it in like her closet and we watched it one day and I was just, it, it really kind of traumatized me a little bit. Like they were doing whippets and I had no idea what whippets were. <laughs> so, okay. But that's a really good, like that's you're the same age as this girl. Mm-hmm. You, and you grew up in the same area. So like your experiences would have been so similar to what her experiences were just as far as like age wise and like yeah. what was happening. So at 13, you were still reasonably sheltered, and this child was pointedly sheltered. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I didn't really grow up in the church like she did. So she, and right. that's, that's everything she knew. So I can imagine at nine years old in that type of environment, it would be extremely you would easy. Feel, you would have to 100% trust whoever was suggesting that you needed to leave your house in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like there would have to be just an absolute trust there that that person was going to be that that person would keep you safe. Mm -hmm. Because without that, I just can't I unless there's some evidence that she was being terribly abused. Now I'm going to get into that. I don't recall there being any evidence of that at all in this one. Her parents even took her family, her whole family took polygraph tests and they all passed with flying colors. So. So, I mean, um, that's the only other that's the only other instance that I can imagine a kid that young, like choosing to leave their house is if it, if they were being if it was like a severe abuse situation. Mm-hmm. But beside that, it would have to be like you would have to just 100 percent trust whoever was saying, oh, yeah, grab your Tweety Bird purse and your Mickey Mouse bow and leave the house at 3 a.m. That's mind boggling. <laughs> It is. It's, it's, it really is. I brought up the basketball game earlier in the timeline because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people kind of put the pressure back on her parents and said that they put too much pressure on their kids. Like the expectations were too high. So the fact that Asha lost this basketball game, she was so distraught, she left. And immediately I was like, if she was so distraught, she would not have left at four o'clock in the morning. You know, like in the pouring ass rain. I mean, that's a full, this is a full day later, right? It's not even even like the night of her basketball game. This is a full day later. I think people were, were, are, you know, this case has been around for 21 years and it's still unsolved. So I think people are reaching a little bit. 
Well, and also it's so much easier to find ways that make sense Mm -hmm. other than to, other than to believe that, yeah, even if your kids don't have access to internet, go to church every Sunday, do everything they're supposed to do, that they are still just as vulnerable to being targeted by somebody who would do them harm as any other kid. Like that's just difficult for some people to stomach. Like it's easier to say, oh, her parents must have done something wrong. Such such a shitty situation. Yeah. A week after she went missing, the search was called off. They had put in 9,000 man hours. They spent time canvassing a two to three mile radius where she was last seen. And they also investigated up to 300 leads that all ended up being dead ends. The FBI and the NC, the NC, the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation, they both got involved. And together they came to the conclusion that Asha left on her own accord and that it was planned, which is goes along with the grooming theory. Mm-hmm. She they they decided this because she didn't fit the normal runaway case um, profile. She was only nine. The typical runaway was 12. And then runaway children usually came from a dysfunctional, abusive home life. But according to the whole community that surrounded that family, the degree family was normal. I mean, yeah, they secluded the kids a little bit, but it was for their safety. They were super focused on church, school, and their family. Where do so many abusers come from? Yeah. Churches. I mean, yeah. that's, that's terrible, but it's true. It's true. It is. I mean, people, um, who, people who target children, that they seek out churches because parents do trust people at church with their kids. For sure. The Reddit user that did this write-up, his name is Nerdfather1, um, and his write-up was, like, amazing. He put in so much detail and so much effort, but he said that the fact that the children were raised in a religious and strict household, they were potentially more mature than other children their age. I personally do not agree with that, and a ton of people on this thread completely disagreed, too. It's exactly the opposite. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, like... That's just that's just just exactly the opposite. Yeah. Um, I think that they were very naive, unaware of what the world was actually like because they were so sheltered. And then this is where it comes in that Asha was potentially groomed. That's the theory that holds the most weight. Is that what I'm trying to say? The most likely. Yeah. So according to BaptistStandard.com, And they got their statistics from the Department of Justice. Most children who are molested know their victimizer. Only 10% of children are abused by a stranger. The other 90% personally know their abuser. And then the younger the victim is, the more likely the perpetrator is either an older child or a teenager. And this comes back to the fact that they were latchkey kids. They lived in a neighborhood where there was a strong sense of community. I'm sure all those kids played together. I mean, how do we not know it was a teenager? You don't, however. The, mm-hmm. Her brother, because they were so close in age, mm-hmm. if there was a kid that was around, I mean, for one thing, that would mean singling her out. And I would think, I mean, they share a room. It would be difficult for me to believe that her brother wouldn't at least have an idea of who, like, you know, somebody that was maybe like they, you know, let them come to the house when they weren't supposed to let somebody come over or, Mm -hmm. 
if she was going to to see somebody else when she was supposed to be at home, I feel like the brother would know. And it, I mean, maybe right at first, he might not tell out of, you know, being afraid to get in trouble. Yeah. But at this point, like that's the kind of stuff that comes out later sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I would think that by now that would have come out. Yeah, I agree with you. I wanted to put that in there, but I don't. I still think it's somebody from her church. For I, sure. It's definitely that that to me seems the most likely. I mean, just statistically. Yeah. OK, so on August 3rd, 2001, which is a year and a half, yeah, later, a year and a half later, her backpack was found. It was found by a construction worker on a new construction site off of the highway she went missing on, but it was 26 miles away from her home, which when you're driving is really not that far. When you're no. walking, it's hella fucking far. So When you're the, nine, it might as well be like a whole nother world. And it was buried. Okay, Asha's not going to bury her own backpack. No. So in the backpack, they knew it was hers because it had her name on it and it had her phone number. We don't know at this point a lot about the backpack because it was immediately taken to FBI headquarters. Right. But this year on the, well, 2020, we're recording this on New Year's Day and it's really fucking me up. (laughs) (laughs) Look, let's just be real. It's going to be like March before I'm prepared to say 2021. (laughs) I'm not there. (laughs) No, I'm not either. So I'm just going to say this year on the 20th anniversary of her disappearance, the FBI confirmed that the book bag contained a copy of Dr. Seuss's McElligott's Pool, a T-shirt that had the band The New Kids on the Block. Neither appeared to be her property. They were not recognized by her family, but the book was checked out at the library of her school. And my first thought is New Kids on the Block was not popular with my age group. No, I was going to say that's um, like that's like a solid 10 years before but yeah. like 1990. So is that like you? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Girl. My yes. Covered with new kids on the block posters. I had new kids on the block t-shirt. I had a new kids on the block hat. Wow. I, had I was definitely in sync <laughs> and Backstreet Boys. So it was, it was kind of odd that that was there. And then the book, they haven't really shared much on the book, but it was checked out from her school. So it's interesting that they say it was checked out from her school. Mm-hmm. But they didn't say that she checked it out. Um, her parents didn't recognize it. And I guess they were really involved with what she was doing at school. So they yeah. probably Which would have. She, might, she could have checked out a book from school that they didn't see. I mean, right. it's not like it's a Dr. Seuss book. It's not like, not like it's something that would have raised any red flags or anything. Yeah. But it's interesting that they didn't. You would think if it if she had checked it out, that that would be like she it was checked out to her from her school. Yeah, but it was just checked out from her school. And back then we were still doing the um, writing in the back of the book or stamping it. I was going to ask that. I couldn't remember. Because they went because this was in 2020. They were like, oh, well, we'll just go to the school and like see if there's record. And there's not record because they didn't start doing digital like scanning stuff. And really until I was in high school. Yeah. Which was in 2005. So this is where talk of a person grooming her comes back into play if you think about the picture that of the unrecognized little girl the dr seuss book that was not checked out in asha's name and then the new kids on the block tea we could potentially see someone maybe provided asha with these objects Mm -hmm. or that 
the person who buried this backpack had Asha's backpack, like, in the backseat or the trunk and was just, like, gathering items they thought were hers when they were his kids. Or just getting rid of things that they wanted to get rid of all in the same place, which, I mean, that seems like a really foolish thing to do. But at the same time, I mean, it worked. Yeah, if you're... If this is like the first crime you've committed, like if it was a crime of opportunity with someone from her church and they had been grooming her and it was like their first time ever doing it, I I could see them making this mistake. Um, But yeah, that's kind of what that theory is and where where those items came from. I think it's still strange that no one can recognize this girl in this picture. I was just about to say the picture of the girl that nobody knows throws me off. One user... And it was really the only person that had this theory, but I kind of was like, oh, that's an interesting theory. They said that the person grooming her might have just found this picture and said, uh, you know, told Asha that this little girl like needed her help. And she's nine. So she's like, oh, my God, what can I do to help? Okay, so the other theory might be that the picture is something she had that Mm -hmm. was given to her, like. That's who she thought she was going to meet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a picture from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they could have told her, you know, we, you know, this is the, you're going to, you know, yeah, yeah, it's going to be late. It's going to be dark. But don't worry. This is another little girl, just your age. And you're mm-hmm. going to meet her. And then the two of you will be together. It'll be okay. Yeah. This case is just such a mind fuck. Totally. The, I, I'm, like I, I can't get past the idea of a nine-year-old leaving their house in the dark, right. in the rain. I mean, it, in the dark. Never mind anything else. Like, forget everything else in the dark. I kind of think back to she left the house. It was Monday morning because it was like 3 or 4 a.m. But right. they had just gone to church. They had spent this day with people in their community. And it kind of makes me wonder if, like, the person that was grooming her kind of came to her and said like, cause kids don't remember anything. Kids have shit memory. <laughs> and maybe that day he was like, remember what tonight is like, I'll meet you, blah, blah, blah. And so that's why she did it on Sunday night. That's just such a far fetched theory. But I mean, no, it's really not. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Here's the other thing though. You're saying he, but oh, yeah. it's so much easier for little girls to trust women. Yeah. They're oh, told, I mean, little girls are kind of conditioned, even even if it's just passively, mm-hmm. that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily trust an older man. Even to this day, I'm about to be 30 years old, and I know I shouldn't, but I would trust a woman more than a man. Like, if I was in a situation where I needed desperate needed- help, yeah, I would trust a woman well, I mean, more than a man. That girls are taught that from a young age. You know, find a woman, find a mom. Yeah. That's another thing. Find a mom. So a woman with hear kids, about- that's who will help you. <clears throat> but I mean, now, you know, what do traffickers use? Women. <laughs> women with children. Because if you have, you see a woman with three kids and the kids don't look alike, mm-hmm. nobody questions that. They could have different dads. They could be adopted. She could be a nanny. Yeah. Like you don't know. So that's, you know, and and that's another thing is that this could be a trafficking situation. 
Oh, yeah, because trafficking's been around for a long time. It's just Absolutely. now getting talked about because of social media. Yeah. Um. Well, and I mean, the real trafficking is, you know, I mean, we talk about, we hear about these trafficking situations where it's like, you know, everybody thinks they're going to be kidnapped from Walmart. Like, that's, I'm not saying it never happens, but yeah. that's not usually how that happens. No. Usually people, again, are trafficked by someone they know. Children are are tricked into going with somebody that they trust. Hey, I read this book one time that was called The Child, uh, The Face on the Milk Carton or something yes. like that. And it really got me thinking because I'm sure this happens a lot. This woman's child was basically taken out of a shopping cart in Ikea mm-hmm. um, and raised from an infant, basically thinking this yeah, other woman someone. was her. Yeah. And yep. I feel like potentially that could have happened with Madeline McCain. Mm-hmm. And that's another form of child Can we trafficking. Go backwards on, like I'm going to time out real quick on Madeline McCann because I heard, I read something the other day that indicates that they are now saying that's a solved case. I've been seeing shit like that and I have not taken the time to sit down and like read about so, it. So I want to, uh, when I looked, I just like, when I heard that, I was like, wait, a solved case. Um, the, what I, what I found is that they're basically saying that they now know that she's, I believe they're saying that they know that she's dead, that she's been dead for quite some time, but none of the details have been released that I could find anywhere. Like, they're just saying that they were able to confirm that they know that she, I don't even think they said, like, anything about, like, they know for a fact it's not her parents. I don't think it was her parents, just to be clear. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. But, um, yeah, my understanding is that's a solved case now. I'm going to have to look more into that. I did. Yeah, see me this- too. But I, when I looked before, and this was probably a month ago. I couldn't find any details. Yeah. It was just like, yes, they think they know who, I, I don't know if they even think they know who did it or if they're just saying that they, I, what I gathered was that they had found remains that they were able to confirm were hers. Oh. But that was all I could. And, and that was kind of like reading between the lines of what mm-hmm. they were saying. Cause what they were saying is basically just that they were able to confirm that she was dead. Well, if they just found remains, they're not going to be able to release any information until, yeah. Correct. Oh, man. So another thing about Madeline McCain, it's not really about her. Um, I don't know, maybe like six months ago, this TikTok was circling about this girl who looked very similar to Madeline. And she was, you know, the age she would be today. Mm. And she was talking about how she didn't know she like her parents wouldn't provide her with a birth certificate. And like it was just really sketchy. And people started doing like side by sides. And she, yeah. I mean, like, fucking looks just like her. But I, I don't believe wild. And I don't, like I said, when I heard about it, I was like, what do you mean it's solved? How did I not hear this? <laughs> this is one of the biggest cases in the world. And I, I guess maybe because they're still, like, I guess it's still, a, like, an active, ongoing investigation. So they're not giving out a lot of details is what I was able to get from what I could find. But it's all happening in other countries. Yeah. So it's not quite as easy to find information mostly because I don't know where to look it's gonna be a big fucking day when that case gets solved because I feel like potentially it could be solved soon and I just it's like Madeline McCain and then Jean Benet 
I want to say that it was authorities in Germany that were oh. that were saying that they had been able that they were calling it a closed case. Interesting. I'm gonna um, we'll keep you guys up to date on that. I feel like yes, Susan's definitely. doing more digging than I am, but <laughs> I'll keep you guys up to date on that. I do want to say that there was an update on this case. Um, where was I in my notes? It was actually this year, in November of this year, an inmate. She means 2020. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> Get off my dick, Susan. <laughs> um, an inmate at the end of 2020 wrote a letter to a local North Carolina newspaper. And this is what he said. Asha Degree has been missing for over 20 years. About four months ago, I found out her whereabouts and what had happened to her. She was killed and then took and buried. This is his grammar, too. I do not know how and what town she is in. I hope you get this letter and do come see me. It's on the up and up. I have no idea what that means. It's on the up and up? Yeah. He means, he means um, I'm being honest. Okay. Okay. So the man that sent this, his name is Marcus Mellon. He's 53. He's serving time for sex crimes against children in North Carolina. The FBI, they did come out after this was made public, and they said that they are definitely going to look into this lead, but they could not visit him because the prison he was in had an active outbreak of COVID. 2020, man. But yeah, they said they will be visiting him. So hope. I don't know why they can't just video chat him, to be honest. You know, like he's saying he can't say where she is. He can't say mm -hmm. like that's that's some vague information that it sounds like oh, yeah. you're trying to trade vague information for some kind of favors. But I mean, they're going to investigate everything. So hopefully something oh, yeah, will come. You know, even if it's yeah, he was messing with us, like at least we'll have something. So yeah. um, there is still a forty five thousand dollar reward. Her parents actually hold an annual walk to keep case, um, Asha's case alive and in the media. And they also wanted to do it to honor her. Um, there are billboards up in the area that have her picture when she went missing at nine and then what she would look like today at 30 years old. And yeah, if you have any information, you can call, you, you know, contact the FBI or the uh, North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation. I hope this case has some kind of. This is one of those somebody knows something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like somebody has some little piece of information that would make a huge difference. Was identifying so is there anywhere that the that they show the picture of the unidentified child? Well, if they can't, I mean, it's an underage person, so yeah. releasing the picture has some like that's a little questionable whether or not. I mean, oh, hold on, I think I just found it. Even if somebody could identify that child, that yeah. could be a huge thing it's a little um it's a little girl and they they actually did a little like it's a small suit it's not even an article it says do you know who this girl is and they explained how asha went dis went missing and they said that this is a photo they found and then they said you can count contact the sheriff's office at the number so i, I guess they they didn't think it was a big i don't know well i mean yeah they did a, i mean it could be it could be a huge lead and it could be nothing at all yeah, it you know it was a little girl that looked like Asha. So That's I wonder. If, so interesting. Yeah, yeah. You can look it up. I will. I'll actually link it. I'll link this. Um, let me grab the link so I don't forget it. I had oh I had a few things I wanted to mention because I, I was doing like my um 
analytic obsession. Oh, I know what it was. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So I was checking Chartable, which is who I mm-hmm. um, track our statistics through, I guess. Yeah. And I was looking at the charts, and we were number 392 out of the whole USA, and there's um, – there's like a top 200, so we were 392. And this is out of 550,000 podcasts. That's amazing. It's exciting. I'm excited it's by that. This little thing that we like doing. And then 540 globally for comedy, <laughs> which is crazy to me. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, um, and the, the I'm High people, like the main I'm High liked our page. <laughs> I fangirl so hard over that. I, I literally screamed. I was like, oh, my God. That just happened. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Um, well, that actually kind of ties in with the thing that I wanted to mention. So the I'm high and these are conspiracy theories is a group that Caroline and I are both in. And this group can get a little crazy. But here's my – I have a favorite thing in this group now. My favorite recurring theme is that every time there's a post where people are like, oh, my God – my neighbor says the world's coming to an end today or tomorrow is the fact that the Australians always show up to be like, Hey mate, it's <laughs> everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's never just one. It's like four or five of them. They're like, Hey, here in Australia tomorrow, nothing happened. <laughs> this would be so much better if you could do an Australian accent. <laughs> I you know what. I am not even about to butcher that. No. <laughs> a really good friend who's Australian who has a beautiful accent and if I tried to do it it would sound so bad it's so beautiful I love the Australian accent um that is crazy all all the edges are rounded and it's so pretty you know what my favorite thing is about that group (laughs) I'm really only notified about the post that Susan comments on (laughs) and when I like go back through (laughs) I can see Susan She's coming in like, okay, so let's talk about this. <laughs> so my second favorite thing about that group is the number of times that just me being like, so is this really feasible earns at least one person going, this bitch should be kicked out. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but you seem to think that me agreeing with you is a prerequisite for me staying in this group. I, I have think, news. <laughs> I think the one I saw today was this person. Oh, it, okay. So the post was, what's the one conspiracy theory you think is going to happen or something in mm-hmm. 2021? And this woman was like, mandatory vaccines. And Susan, I don't I don't remember what you said. It's probably the, fine. Well, first I just posted the gif of Phoebe and Rachel from Friends cheering. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, he was, tried to fight you guys. I was baiting them a little bit because, like, I just kind of can't sometimes. <laughs> well, those people come in there with these crazy, not even crazy, with these theories that they think everyone else is going to agree with. And it's like, no, honey. And then you get so mad, mad if any one person doesn't agree. And then that's when the, like, this is a conspiracy theory group. I'm like, do we need to redefine theory? Because I feel like. Just because you guys say something doesn't mean everybody in the group is going to be like, oh, my God, that's true. Yeah. I felt yeah, sorry. The whole, like, vaccines girl. are going to be mandatory. I'm like, look, no, they're not going to be man. They will only be mandatory um, if all y'all decide y'all are going to be crazy and refuse to go get them. Which a lot of people are doing. 
Like oh, a lot of people. My mom just got hers. Who did your mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's um, and well, she's a nurse, but she like kind of runs the. Ho- I don't really know what she does. <laughs> she's a nurse, but she like work anyway. She got hers. Um, Good. I felt really sorry for this girl in that group yesterday. Do you remember when she posted about the Lindsay Lohan and the parent trap theory? I saw that, but I didn't. Did she just get totally? She dirty deleted it, which whatever. I don't think delete whatever there you want to delete. Point, like when people just go off the edge and just attack, it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah, delete it. Like nobody wants to put up with that in their notifications. Yeah. So she deleted it and somebody screenshotted it and they posted it again and they just tore her ass apart in that. And it's like, you know what? See, okay. That's what I don't understand. Like, why is it when y'all want to talk about one off the wall fucking thing and that, and one person doesn't agree with you, you go off the edge about it and like oh you shouldn't you should be removed from this group because you don't agree with this but then somebody else posts a theory that's equally implausible and some for some reason like that's okay to just tear it apart what i've noticed since being in all these groups is people in groups are bold they're not gonna act like that on their main page that's why they're in yes mobs it's i mean it's just a mob theory that my nanny groups that I'm in are the absolute worst because these girls are know-it-alls. They're judgmental. That's why I created the group that I did because I was like, I'm tired of all these fucking people. Yeah, and I mean, the Lindsay Lohan thing, like... We don't have to get into that because they did a whole special on it. Oh, did they they really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, back when Disney did behind-the-scenes stuff, they showed how it was done. Oh, like... No, the whole thing about, like, well, we didn't have the technology, I'm like... It was 1998. We had technology. I'm like, first of all, children, have you not seen the original Parent Trap? Mm -hmm. Because I have news. That was in, like, 1960-something. And Haley Mills was also one person who played those same two parts. I've actually seen that, too. (laughs) I love... I love... So I haven't actually seen the Lindsay Lohan one because I love the Haley Mills one. (laughs) Well, I mean, the Lindsay Lohan one was like, she's basically my age, I think. So, I mean, I I really wanted to watch it, but. Yeah. And I mean, it's a toy. I was just like, not only did they do it in 1998, but they did it like 30 years before (laughs) with a different actress. Did you ever see the movie? Also didn't have a mysterious twin. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Did you ever see the movie Pollyanna? Oh, of course. Oh, my God. That used to be my favorite movie. So we tease my mom and call her Pollyanna because she's always like, everything's going to work out. <laughs> we just need steak and ice cream. Then it'll be fine. I feel like I would really like your mom. Also, I your mom is so supportive of this podcast. And I I mean, not that my mom isn't. She absolutely is. But like, go Karen. She's awesome. I love my mom. But, but she's do? a Pollyanna for sure. <laughs> really have anything else that I wanted to talk about during the mid-show break um just the exciting mine was mostly the Aussies just like swooping in to be like hey it's tomorrow we're not dead (laughs) what is your favorite conspiracy theory I don't know if I do have one um well okay so I'm not I guess I guess it can be kind of all encompassed in one conspiracy theory it's gotta be Mandela effect oh yeah that's a good one. That said, I'm not 100% sure that it qualifies as a conspiracy theory. I think it does because it's not proven. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. I guess conspiracy theories have kind of like the definition keeps getting broader. Mm-hmm. To me, it's more of a phenomenon, an unexplained oh, yeah. phenomenon than a conspiracy yeah. theory. But like if we're calling it a conspiracy theory, that would be my favorite. Yeah, I like that. It's an interesting one. I, I'm i also pretty fascinated. I'm so looking forward to you doing the JFK thing because I'm totally fascinated with all things JFK. I'm putting some ass behind this one. That's why it's taken so long. I know. I no, I'm excited. I'm like, that's why I haven't said anything. I'm like, I'm just going to wait for that to happen. It might have to be a two-parter because I want to, I'm not going to talk about his death a lot. I mean, a lo- I'm going to talk about it, but not a lot because I feel like people yeah. already know, but there are really just a handful of theories, but they're really intense. So I'm excited to talk about that. There is so <gasps> much and it is so interesting. It is. It's super interesting. So, um, And also the CIA is. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> The CIA is corrupt as fuck, so it's going to be a good episode. Absolutely. I also saw... CIA, please do not hunt us down. Please don't. I'm a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> I smoke a lot of pot, but I'm a good girl. This is this is totally the worst thing we do. <laughs> I'm going to send you this TikTok. I should have done it last night. So I found this TikTok of actual video footage claiming that Michael Jackson is not dead. And I know, I know, but I want you... To look at it, and I'm gonna look more into it because at. that is probably my favorite conspiracy theory to talk about is celebrities who who, who are, are dead, dead but who aren't dead. Yeah, you know, I could totally get behind the Elvis didn't die in the 70s. Um, Have you seen the one where Elvis is the what is it caretaker of his estate? The caretaker of his estate supposedly looks a lot like Elvis. I have not dug into that one, but I don't. I haven't. I I'm a huge I'm a huge Elvis fan, mm-hmm. so like I would love for Elvis to not be dead, to still not be dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love it if Elvis just was like, I'm going to kill myself if I keep going the way I'm going, and therefore I have to stop being a public person. I would be so happy for that to be true. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think it is. But I would love for it to be true. That's why I like those. Because, I mean, it's just Same fun with Tupac. Like, yes, I would love for Tupac to still be alive. You know how great music would be if Tupac was still alive? Yeah. Same with Elvis. Same with Kurt Cobain. In fact, all my favorite music artists are dead. <laughs> oh, Dave Grohl, I love you. Please don't let anything happen to yourself. Who? <laughs> Dave Grohl. I thought you said Faith Hill. <laughs> I mean, Faith Faith is fine, but I figure she's not in much danger. <laughs> Susan, how did I not know that the Foo Fighters, are they one of your favorite bands? They, yeah, for sure. Mostly because of Dave, because yeah. I'm Nirvana super nerd. Yeah. Like, out of control. And there is no, Nir- Kurt Cobain was the face of Nirvana. Yeah. There's no Nirvana without Dave. I, um, I really hate the Foo Fighters. Really? But we don't have to agree on everything. <laughs> Why though? I feel like all their music sounds the same. I don't get me wrong, I love I love grunge. I love I love Nirvana. You know, I was a little young for that, but my dad listened to it, so yeah. I know it. And I just never have enjoyed their music. I really mm-hmm. like Pearl Jam and a lot of people say the same about Pearl Jam that it's just it's all like melancholy and it all sounds the same. But. I don't agree. I don't think Pearl Jam all sounds the same, but I also don't think Foo Fighters all sounds the same. Yeah, but I do think that you can follow the progression musically from what Nirvana was doing directly into what Dave's doing with the Foo Fighters. And I think that all, I mean, Nirvana wasn't anything 
until Dave was in the band. He was the driving force. Do you feel like a lot of what Nirvana is today is, I mean, with Kurt Cobain being like Mm -hmm. the person you think of is because of how he died and the publicity around his death? No. Because I don't know. I don't really think so. I think that I think that what Nirvana, Nirvana was not the only band doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. For sure. But something about what they were doing resonated with so many people at the time. I mean, Kurt Cobain dying was a huge like I can remember that day. Yeah. Like exactly what happened. Like I can remember that day. I was in middle school. And I can remember that day because because their music was something different. And like I said, they weren't the only ones doing it, but there was something about the way they were doing it just worked. Yeah. And I think that, I think that without Nirvana blowing up the way that they did mute the music scene, everything after that would be different. I mean, it's a lot and, and nobody freak out. I love Elvis. I'm not saying Kurt Cobain was an El- was an Elvis. Mm-hmm. Elvis was Elvis, Kurt was Kurt. They're totally different people. But both of them did things that were different that changed the direction that music went from that point forward. Yeah. But I think we think of it as a as Kurt Cobain was Nirvana. Reality is, without Dave becoming part of that band and bringing everything that he had, his musical knowledge, his business sense, mm-hmm. um all of the abilities that he had Nirvana would just be another garage band. Nobody had ever heard of. They probably would have done some cool things. Probably somebody else would have copied them and become super famous, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't have been Nirvana if Dave had not been there to be the driving force behind really producing everything that they did instead of just being creative. Kurt was super creative. He didn't have everything else. Which is why Dave has been successful in uh, the Foo Fighters. Oh, hey, so our astrology girl backed out, which sucks. Oh, I don't no. know what to do an astrology episode, so maybe we'll have to figure something else out. Yeah. Kind of a bummer, but I have two other Cult Survivor interviews lined up, I'm which I'm super excited. That. that was so interesting. Yeah. One of, them, um, one of them I met on Twitter, and the other one was – I actually met her on TikTok. Oh, that's cool. She was doing like a series. Um, It was like, I survived a cult or whatever. And I contacted her. I was like, hey, girl. <laughs> hey, talk. so we do a podcast. Yeah, so y'all, um, if you're inter- interested in cults, mm-hmm. um, we're doing cult episodes that will be Patreon exclusives. Mm-hmm. Um, Caroline's mostly kind of, that's kind of her baby. Mm-hmm. But I've jumped in and did... Um, was in on one of the interviews with, with two cult survivors. And it was so interesting. Yeah, I, it was very interesting. And they have a podcast themselves. They're very nice girls. And so yeah, fascinating I'm, that we had that one case in common that she's like, Oh my God, I want to do that case. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really awesome. I loved talking to them. Oh, I hope that, I hope that doing these cult, survivor stories brings a lot of awareness to the fact that cults are not just white robes and drinking Kool-Aid and absolutely not. Oh, okay. So I didn't say it during that whole episode because I didn't want to like, just like completely throw everything off. But just to be fair, um, Jim Jones served flavor aid, not Kool-Aid. Oh my God. (laughs) What the fuck is flavor aid? (laughs) It's like, it's a powdered, 
street thing. So it's like off, it's like off-brand Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's like off-brand because Jim Jones couldn't even serve his people real Kool-Aid. It had to be Flavor-Aid. Which, okay. Sorry, Flavor Aid. I'm sure you're sure your drinks are just as good as Kool Aid. I don't know. So listen, I listen to this podcast, and they're actually they have a similar setup to what we do. We just talk about like a little bit of everything. It's called Drinking the Kool Aid, and I feel like I'm gonna have to message them and be like, "Listen, guys." I've seen that every time I hear somebody <laughs> say something about drinking the Kool Aid, I'm like, "It was Flavor Aid." <laughs> drinking the Flavor Aid. I kind of like that better. <laughs> I'm gonna do too. I'm gonna message them and be like, "I love this for you." Okay, we are like in an hour and a half. We need to get back on track. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't talk to each other for a while. <laughs> yeah, we did not talk at all last week because of Christmas. Oh, and everything's been busy and holiday-y. All right, so what are okay. you doing? I'm doing, um, it's an old case, and we're going back to Germany, mostly because it kind of freaked you out, and that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Germany really creeps me out. I just love that. Um so it's a it's a case from the 20s. It's referred to as the Hinterkaifeck murders. Ooh. It is a still unsolved uh, murder case. It is Kaifeck was the town or maybe village at the time. Um, it's in a Bavarian region of Germany that is just less than 300 miles south of Berlin. And then I also saw somewhere that someone um, mentioned that it was an hour's drive from Munich. So just kind of putting that in perspective to places we might recognize in Germany. Okay. So it is now, um, I guess the same area is now a municipality called Wadehofen. And as of 2008, which I realize is, not exactly like yesterday, but that was the populate. That's where I, I was curious, like if, if it's like, how remote is it? I guess yeah. um, as of 2008, their population was still under 2200. So oh. it is still a pretty remote area. It's a very, Definitely. Small, it, there's a lot. I looked at the map because I wanted to see what the satellite image looked like. And there's definitely a little town, but there's a ton of farmland. So it is, it is still, I guess, probably similar to what it would have been like in the 20s. Pretty remote. And I was also very curious if the town is Kaifek, why they call it the Hinter Kaifek murders. So Hinter actually means behind. So it's behind the town of Kaifek, which is just a description of where this farmstead was located. Okay. Uh, it's 1922. On April 4th, Neighbors of Andreas Gruber and his family, um, which consisted of his wife, a widowed daughter, and her two young children, became concerned enough about the family's absence from usual activities that they decided someone should head out to the farm to check on them. I know this case. It's such a good case. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, it just hit me. Um, The family was known to keep to themselves. And again, we're talking farmland. People, you know... Most of the time they spent working on their farms. Especially in the 20s. Especially in the 20s. However, by April 4th, the seven-year-old daughter had missed school twice. The family had not been in town to go to church, which was very unusual. And they had not been in town to pick up mail, which was starting to pile up at the post office. Their neighbors um, had been able... So 
neighbors were far away, but close enough that they could see smoke coming from the chimney. And their neighbors had seen smoke coming from their chimney as usual in the days that they had been missed in town. So at the time, I think concerns probably tended more towards some kind of illness or maybe an injury that was preventing them from coming into town. So they could not possibly have been prepared for the gruesome scene that they were going to discover when they got there. But before we get to that, we're going to back up just a little bit. A few weeks prior to this, the Gruber's maid had quit. She had become concerned that the, or I'm sorry, not concerned, well, probably, but also convinced (laughs) that the farmhouse and maybe even the farm itself were haunted. She claimed that she had heard sounds coming constantly from the attic and experienced a recurring eerie feeling of being watched everywhere she was. Andreas Gruber had refused to take her fears seriously about a haunting, but he had also experienced some unusual things. He had discussed with friends and neighbors that he had discovered a newspaper inside his home that he knew he had not bought. One of the family's two keys had disappeared. And Andreas had also discovered evidence that a lock on the barn had been tampered with as though someone was trying to pick it. But the most unsettling thing were the footprints in the snow. The footprints came from a heavily wooded area behind the farmhouse up to the farmhouse. They were found in otherwise fresh and unmarked snow, leading only in one direction towards the farmhouse, giving the impression that someone had come to the house but had not left. No one in the family knew who these belonged to. Let's real quick just talk about who the family is. Um, I am probably going to butcher at least two of these names. Do it. Um, sorry. <laughs> if you speak German and I'm way off, like, please tell me how to say it. Uh, I, I'm going to do my best. Um, Andreas Gruber was 63. Um, he's the patriarch of the family. His wife, whose name I'm really not sure of, is Kazilla. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. Uh, She was, it's spelled C-A-Z-I-L-L-A. If anyone Uh, would be able to do that, it would be you. (laughs) I I tried to look up how it was pronounced and I wasn't, it's actually spelled a couple of different ways in different things I've seen. So I'm not sure if it's, if it's one of those things like where adding an A, adding an I somewhere is almost like a nickname mm-hmm. or if it's just, if one of them is just a misspelling. Uh, anyway, she's 72. They have a 35 year old daughter who was widowed and was living with them. Whose name is Victoria and her two children. One of them named after her mother, also Kazilla, who was seven and her son, Joseph, who was two. And then the new family maid who had arrived at the farm likely just hours before she was murdered is named Maria Baumgartner and she was 44. Victoria was widowed when her husband died in World War I. However, it's 1922 now Mm -hmm. and she has a two-year-old. The paternity of Joseph has never been positively confirmed. Hmm. I mean, obviously he's not 
he was not her husband's child. And um, so the on April 4th, the search party, for lack of a better term, well check party, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they, I don't know exactly what they thought they were looking for. Like I said, I think because there was still smoke coming from the chimney, they were mostly probably concerned that someone was sick, mm-hmm. but they were concerned enough to go out to look. So the person, um, this group was led by the Gruber's closest neighbor, who was the one who had been able to see smoke coming from the farmhouse, who was named Lorenz Schlittenbauer. He was ultimately considered a suspect by police because he had had a previous relationship with Victoria. At some point, he and Victoria had both publicly referred to Joseph as their son together. But like I said, it's never been a hundred, like it's never been positively confirmed that that's the case. They had plans to get married, but her father interfered and Lorenz had since married someone else. What did they find when they got to the farmhouse? In short, they found six bodies. Four of them were in the barn covered with hay. Maria, uh, the four that were in the barn were Andreas, the, his wife, his daughter, and her daughter. So both parents, the widowed daughter and the granddaughter. Yeah. And Maria was found in her quarters and was covered with her sheets. And the baby, Joseph, was in a... Um, like sort of a bassinet and had been covered up with one of his mother's dresses. Uh, The brutality of these murders cannot be overstated. So I'm not going to read the descriptions of them because it's just really not that important to this. Do it. Mm -mm. (laughs) No, don't do it. It's really, really bad. I, what I will say is that the, um, they believe the seven year old daughter or granddaughter is the died last. Um, and they think that she may have lived for several hours after she had been injured because when she was found, she had ripped her own hair out in clumps. Shit. That's not the worst. <laughs> like it's really, really brutal. So like I said, I'm not going to read all of them. However, if you guys want to read, um, the very, um, very good descriptions from the autopsy results can be found on defrostingcoldcases.com, which is one of the sources I used. I only used two sources for this. There are so many because it's it's such an old case and it's so famous. Um, There's lots of information out there, but I just chose two places in order to kind of keep it from getting out of hand. I'll link that just to make it easier. Yeah, and I did send you those. I sent you both links of the the ones that I used. But the defrosting cold cases actually has like a little section where the autopsy, the description of the autopsy results mm-hmm. is very clearly described. Most of the injuries were caused by a mattock, which is a it's a tool that's similar to a pickaxe that's used for digging and chopping. Uh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, this particular tool was pretty unique because it had been handmade by Andreas and was conspicuously missing from the barn when the bodies were found. It didn't turn up for a year. It didn't show up until um, a year, a, about a year after the murders, the farmstead was demolished. And at that point, they did find the mattock. 
However, there are indications that multiple weapons were used, but the original documentation is either, either it was just incomplete or parts of it have been lost. So it's not clear how many weapons or what other weapons there might have been. Aside from the exact number of murder weapons, the motive is a complete mystery. There's so much speculation, but the thing that sticks through all of the different speculations is that the crime had to be committed by someone who was familiar with the farm, mm-hmm. was knew how to run a farm, was familiar with livestock, and was comfortable enough to stay at the farm after the murders were committed in the company of the family dog, because they believe that these murders were actually committed on March 31st. Interesting. So someone committed these murders and then stayed there with the bodies and cared for the livestock. The livestock had been fed. Did they Uh, have farm hands? No. No one else had been at the farm. So whoever murdered the entire family brutally then stayed there for at least three or four days taking care of the animals. None of the animals were harmed. The family's dog was not harmed. All the animals had been fed. Um, That's so confusing. So confusing. This person also also had to be strong enough to wield the mattock so many times. I'm going to let y'all draw conclusions. The injuries are horrific. To kill six people brutally is, I mean, physical strength is required. Oh, yeah. They also didn't take anything. There was fairly significant amounts of money and none of it was gone. Everything was, everything, aside from the fact that everybody was dead, everything was pretty much in place. But pretty obviously they had to have a personal reason for committing this crime. And on top of that, what gets me is that all of the indications, the maid leaving like a few weeks beforehand, because she was sure she'd heard, I mean, what she thought in her head, it was a haunting. Um, It sounds to me like this person had been hiding within the farmhouse, at least off and on. Oh, definitely. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, So they, I mean, they were watching the family. So it wasn't like, I mean, at least there's nothing that indicates that it was like a moment of like a crime of passion, like, you know, in the heat of the moment, something happened like they were, they'd snuck into the house. Obviously the only, I mean, I say, obviously the only indication is that their only reason for being there was to kill the family because they didn't take anything. Mm. So, um, I mentioned that the neighbor, Lorenz, was considered as a suspect. And I also mentioned that he had, after his relationship with Victoria, had married someone else. So he and his wife did have a baby together, but tragically their baby died. One of their theories was that he was traumatized by the death of his baby and knew that Joseph was also his child. And had come to the farm, which was only, um, they say, a few hundred yards. That's kind of vague. I don't know exactly how, but close enough. I mean, close enough that he could walk to their house and murdered Victoria and her family. 
How did they not hear this? If they're not involved, how did they not hear? So that's a really good question. I don't know that anybody has an answer for that. They didn't hear, nobody knew anything was wrong. And like I said, they were seeing all the indications that everything on the farm was running as normal. Mm-hmm. Livestock seemed normal. There was smoke coming from the chimney. Like everything seemed normal, except for the fact that the family hadn't been in town. So this is one of those, like his behavior, Lorenz's behavior was suspicious. People said that they felt that he was not, he didn't appear to be repulsed enough by the bodies. And he did know his way around the farm, which makes sense. But they questioned him extensively and were able, were unable to conclusively ever place him at the crime scene. So once he was eliminated, this is my favorite part. They decide that maybe Victoria's husband, the dead one, was a suspect. Right, 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 right. So for at least a minute, they entertained the idea that her husband, whose name was Carl Gabriel, wasn't actually dead and for some reason came back from the war and killed everyone. However, they were able to fairly quickly determine that he was definitely dead, that he had died in France and many people, many fellow soldiers had seen his body and were able to confirm that he was in fact dead. Sounds like one of the officials was a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine like when I'm reading this, I was like, I want to know who floated that one the first time. Like, okay, hear me out. Her husband's not really dead. And he came back from the war and killed everyone. Why? They were I'm definitely, not sure. They were definitely like, because there was a two-year-old there that doesn't belong to him. Maybe. But he was definitely dead. So that's not a thing. What I don't understand is if it was the neighbor, why would he kill his own son? See, and that's the other thing. When they talked to, like, I was expecting that, that theory to have come up because they, like, like basically kind of like traumatized in a complete non, like in a state of complete trauma going, like maybe he was just going to take the other baby Mm -hmm. and then ended up like killing everybody in the process. But then why would he kill his own baby? If that was the whole reason he went there, that just doesn't, why would he be kind of the, the person leading the like, Hey, something might be wrong. We should probably go out there and check. It just doesn't, that one doesn't add up for me, but none of it adds up. No, li- no, literally none of it. Unless he was going out there to kill his son because he didn't want—I don't know—because he didn't like have a relationship with him. No, I mean it seems like it seems like when their relationship ended, and that's the other. Okay, so here's another theory, which is disturbing. There is a theory that Joseph was actually a child of incest. And that Victoria, that Joseph was actually the child of Victoria and Andreas. They considered the possibility that either Victoria or Andreas had killed the entire family before committing suicide. Apparently, there's some indication that Andreas was less than a good guy and had potentially abused other children of his. I guess he may have had other children, but she was the only surviving child. I don't know more about that because he was never obviously convicted of anything. Yeah, so it's all just speculation. All just real, and I mean, it's 100 years old. So, yeah. you know, a lot of it is just this is talk between. It's kind of like gossip. Town yeah. gossip. That's um, another theory, though. It is. However, 
none of the injuries to any of the bodies could have been explained as being self-inflicted. Okay, yeah, that says so a lot. the murder-suicide thing pretty much goes out the window. This this case has been clo- like has been considered cold. I guess actually, let me back up. They did they at one point closed the case, but it's been reopened like several times. It's been re- over the past hundred years. They have closed and then reopened the case multiple times. So because they didn't know what happened to them. After the original autopsies, they beheaded them and sent their skulls to Munich to be examined for metaphysical clues. Germany is so weird. It's <laughs> like it's so what? strange. Maybe that was protocol at that time. Um, I don't know. Probably I don't not. know. I think it was desperation, mm-hmm. really. But the family is still buried without their heads because the skulls were lost during World War II and were never returned. This is this story is so crazy to me. I have heard it before. A few other podcasts have covered it, and I'm always just left like with my mouth open, like what? I don't remember hearing about them being buried without their heads before. No, I've never heard that like, part. As I mentioned, in the, as far as like the murder weapons, the evidence that they gathered at the crime scene either has been parts of it have been lost or it's just too old to really be helpful. But in 2007, the Furstenfeldbruck Police Academy took this case on as a cold case. They uh, So they weren't able to conclusively identify a murderer. However, they did all agree on a theory. But that theory remains a secret out of respect for surviving family members of people related to the crime. Lame. So lame. I'm like, wait, you you all agree, but now you're not going to tell us? Who is surviving family? That's what I was trying to figure out, too. I guess, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, maybe the maid's family. It could be the maid's family. I guess maybe extended, like you know, cousins. Oh yeah, those are the, those are a thing. They, I mean, it, it's just it's one of those ultimate unsolved cases yeah. where you have all of these creepy things happening leading up to it that everybody ignored, which is also kind of weird to me. It's weird to me that I could see. Agreeing with the maid and being like, yeah, you know what? I think my farmhouse might be haunted. Mm -hmm. But he didn't believe it was haunted. But he still told neighbors about creepy things that were happening. Which would make me think that maybe it was him. But then who killed him? Yeah, because, I mean, there was no evidence that he, anyone killed themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. This is such an odd case. It is such an odd case. And staying at the crime scene with six brutally murdered people. Now, granted, four of them were in the barn, but two of them weren't. And why wouldn't you move the other two? And the seven-year-old who didn't die right away, supposedly, like, that means he would have had to sit, or he or she would have had to sit there and, like, listen to her. Was she in the house or the barn? I can't remember. She was in the barn. So, um, and of course, they don't. They don't know. They don't know if she 
if she was injured and then witnessed the other murders mm-hmm. or if she just saw the bodies and was then attacked. And I don't know exactly how they know that she pulled out her own hair. But I mean, that is a. They might have found it in her. Um, I don't know, her hands or something. I think they did find, find like. Fistful. Her hand was closed and they found hair, her own hair in her hand. Oh my God. The shapes of the wounds are really different. Some of them had head wounds. Some of them had neck wounds. But yeah, the fact that they were, I mean, I understand, I understand like there, there might be some reason to, to try to gain some more information from their skulls. But then the fact that they're like, yeah, sorry, we lost their heads during World War II. I mean, to be fair, a lot happened in Germany in World War II. That is true. That is um, very true. And that was probably the least of their concerns. But still, I, I understand, like, you were in charge of somebody's skulls. Like, right. <laughs> like I said, it's it's kind of one of the ultimate unsolved cases just because there's, because of the age of it, the any thought of it being conclusively solved at this point is pretty much non-existent. I yeah. would love to know what conclusion they drew in 2007. Uh that maybe one day we will know that because eventually there will be probably, I mean, there will always be surviving relatives, but maybe there eventually will. the relatives will be like, Hey, we want to know like, or, or we want the public to know. There is a link to the full report from the, from the police Academy. Okay. Um, it's in German. You can't translate it. Like there's no option on your web browser. Um, you know, sometimes there's, if you go to settings, you can get, you can translate it sometimes. You might be able to. I'm going to send you the link that. Yeah. The, now, this is linked from the um, defrosting cold cases. Mm-hmm. So it's on that page, but I'll just okay. go ahead and send it to you too. Of course, it's in German. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it also it says again that they um, they considered one person to be the name the main suspect, but they do not name the person in the report. So they, the students apparently agreed that it was personal and that it was a crime of passion. Ooh. But you don't kill six people in, in a crime of passion. Like, that doesn't... Unless you're killing those people first? Yeah, I mean, like, one of them could have been a crime of passion. Although, I'm going back to... Somebody's been sneaking around this farmhouse for weeks. Yeah, like, That's maybe this was planned like out. plotting. Ooh. Intriguing. So intriguing. That's a good case. Oh, okay. So just FYI, um, I'm going to read for a part in a play. (gasps) Yay. I have such mixed feelings. Um, exciting. That seems like it's right up your alley. Oh, it's, oh, it's totally up my alley. It's totally my thing. Um, the theater, it's not exactly the theater that I grew up doing stuff in, Mm -hmm. but it's, because that one doesn't exist anymore, but it's kind of where everybody shifted to. Mm-hmm. They're doing much ado about nothing. And I was hero in like 1995. And now I really want to be Beatrice. I have no idea. If I don't get the part I want, I'm going to be a brat and turn part down. <laughs> one, cause I don't have time. Yeah. I will make time to like, I can't pass up the opportunity to do a part that I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so if I don't get it, I don't have time to mess with something that's kind of half, like, I don't care. Um, but also, like, the whole COVID thing 
I'm so irritated that like the play I want to do, I have to make this like ridiculous choice. Like, oh, well, I guess if I get the part I want, I'm basically going to have to like stay away from my whole family for like six weeks. Yeah, but it would be for something that you really want to do. So I think that it will they be, would understand. And it will be worth, like, I mean, I don't have to completely stay away. Like, my parents are, my parents are actually on, like, they have appointments to get their first vaccination. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're kind of on our way to making this less of an issue yeah. than it has been. And the theater's done a really good, like, their COVID protocols are, I'm impressed. Yeah. Um, so I think they're doing as much as they can. So it would just be like, you know, having to just be a little bit more cautious. And mm-hmm. if that happens, we might have to change recording times for a couple of weeks. Okay. Also, I keep in mind. I don't know what the schedule is. I might have to change recording dates a couple of times or, you know, have a week or two that maybe you get somebody to be a guest or something. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, the girls, the other five girls that I interviewed, I talked to each one of them about potentially like to give you like a vacation or something like, so that could be a good time for them to step in. So it's not a big deal. Sure. So, but I mean, it's a total, it's way up in the air. I have no idea. I mean, I, I kept trying to, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to like, I'm I'm not going to do it. I'm just thinking about it. (laughs) And then I was like, I did it. I have my monologue memorized. I guess I'm going to do it. <laughs> I think you should. I think that's awesome. And good luck. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm also, like I said, it's just, it so sucks that it's like, why can't, why can't things ever fall into place? Look, why does it have to be like, yeah, it's perfect. It's winter. So that means work is like way slower. So I actually, it's not going to be near as stressful time wise. That'll be good. Oh, but there's a fucking plague. <laughs> Thank you so much for the continued support. Please find and follow us at Wild and Woke Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We have a great page on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. If you're looking for bonus content, early episode releases, and free merch, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. If you have any weird, creepy, or wow, I can't believe this fucking happened to me moments, please reach out because we want to share them at Podcast at gmail.com. And remember, all stories start somewhere. Be wild, stay woke, and question everything.